Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome once again to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and alongside is LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? Um. Pretty good. I'm uh, getting over a little bit of a head cold. I had this uh, long weekend, uh, so I kind of laid low for the, the Labor Day weekend, but overall, uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? How was your weekend? It was good. I actually took a day off yesterday. <laughs> I have a good thing this thing's recorded, so I can uh, go back and listen to that a few hundred times. That's a, I think that's the first. Cindy, let's, Cindy Miller taking a day off. That's almost an... A, um, did did Alan take over spinning the plates for you, or did he take a day off too? No, he took a day off. He took he takes a okay. day off every week. Cindy doesn't. <laughs> so in other words, Although he's the smart one of the crew. <laughs> in a couple weeks, so I didn't really totally take a day off. I didn't teach yesterday. Let's put it that way. Right. Okay. Well, that's that's a half day then. We'll give you that. <laughs> Anyways, we want to welcome everybody to the show and thank you for joining us. We're just waiting for. Uh, we actually have a great show for you. Hopefully, everything is going to come off. Uh, we have a great guest, uh, a young lady from the LPGA Epson Tour, uh, Leticia Beck. Uh, we're just waiting for her to call in. And then, uh, depending on what happens there, we're going to dip in in the second half of the show, where we may flip things around. Uh, but you and I are going to dance around, if you will, in the no BS zone and talk about some trouble shots uh, you need to know. Uh, these are some different ones, ones that don't normally uh, – get talked about as much, but uh, we're going to see what we can do. Um, but um, so I know, Cindy, you've got some, uh, some boot camps, uh, I'm sure, coming up throughout the season. You want to uh, give us the scoop on that? Uh, yeah, we've got two in January. One of them's already filled up with um, a bunch of women from a country club who one of the women came last year, and she's recruited eight women to go this year. And so we got another one in January. We got one in February for adults, one for kids. We got one in March. We got one in April. Um, I'm going to Sea Island, Georgia, the Seabrook Island, Seabrook Island, not Sea Island. Seabrook. Seabrook. Um, I think I told you their general manager reached out on LinkedIn said we've got a private club with lots and lots of members and we don't have a woman golf pro and the women um, want someone to help them. So 
I had 10 women that I taught in June for a couple days. We did a private boot camp. And then I've got 10 women in a couple weeks. And then I got 10 more women in October that want to get better. So it's been a great thing. I'm trying to help them find the director of instruction. They said, do you want to move down here? I said, actually, I don't. I like living in Buffalo. Um, <laughs> we got a big, huge snowblower <laughs> that moves itself. And so I got to see if it works. Watch it not even snow this year, right? Right, um, right. Well, it's all, so, that's how it always works. <laughs> <laughs> right. We, we finally got this big, huge thing that, you know, pushes itself. We don't have to push it. Um, anyway, so, no, I don't want to move to Seabrook Island. I want to stay in Buffalo, and I'll come. I said I'll come and visit once a month. They want someone to live there. Yeah. So I told them I'd help them yeah. find somebody, and I'll come down once a month. So, anyway, that's what we got going on. We got to go to um, – we're leaving for Boston tomorrow – the Legends Tour has the BJ's Charity Golf Classic where we use four golf courses for a program, wow. which is huge. I get to play with the General Mills guys and girls, uh, which is awesome. And Alan's going to teach all the corporate people that don't know how to play golf. So we're going to Boston. It's um, all day Thursday, and then they have this huge lobster fest which is always delicious, and we'll be mm-hmm. back Friday. So that's good. And then the week after, we got to go back down to Orlando for a corporate outing at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando. So believe it or not, we've got a busy September, which normally it dies down because everybody goes back to school. And after right. Labor Day in Buffalo, it kind of chills out because the bills start playing. So we're excited. Well- well, it's a good thing you took that day off yesterday because you're going to need it. Yeah, you got lots. You know, just just to touch on what you were saying a few moments ago about, um, you know, there's so many great um, LPJ professional teaching professionals out there. So when an opportunity like that opens up in in, in uh, um, you know in in that area, um, I know you'll be able to hopefully point somebody in the, in the right direction for them. But you know, it's great that, that, you know, they reach out. You know, this is one of the, the things that, you know, very quickly just to, you know, as I said, we're trying to wait for um, our, our guest, uh, Leticia Beck, to uh, to join us. Hopefully she's going to make it this morning. Um, but, you know, this is the one positive thing about social media is it's such a great way for, you know, particularly something like LinkedIn where you get a lot of business people connecting. And, you, you know, you mentioned that, um, you know, somebody from uh, from that area had reached out to you and saying, "Hey, we need you know we need a good uh, uh, female professional to come down and help uh, you know the, the women members at our club. You know, we don't have anybody here, and um, you know, so without that, it's a little harder. I mean, that's not impossible, but you know, um, it, it really helps in a case like that. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. And and the other thing is the fact that. You know, once I went, the women had a ball, but they want somebody more full-time. So right. the other fact that, you know, I know the people at the LPGA because I was president of the Northeast section. So I said, here's what you do, you know, make up a job description. How much are you going to pay mm-hmm. this person? Does their housing, what's included? And, and then send me what this is, and I'll connect you with the people in the career center of the LPGA, and you can post it. They posted it in the PGA they may have hired somebody already. And so right. you, know, you got to help people. 
and part two of that is not only for Seabrook Island, but with BJ's Charity Classic, they need a bunch of teachers to teach this event on Thursday. So, you know, the people that run the Legends Tour said, Cindy, who do you know in the Northeast section? Because we need more teachers to help teach this. Because there's yep. hundreds of people that are coming to Boston for this event. So right. it's just good, you know, it's just good for everybody. Well, it's good networking. And that's the thing is, you know, you can reach out in such a short period of time to so many people and get the message out. You know, when you've got a message to, to relay, you know, the old way is, you know, the old rotary phone and you called up people and you passed the word that way, which, you know, it worked at the time. But nowadays, I mean, a simple post can, can reach out and, and get a lot of, uh, you know, literally thousands, uh, tens of thousands in some cases uh, of people with just a single post uh, on social media. So uh, it just goes to show yeah. you when done correctly, it can, it can really benefit. Um, you know, just uh, very quickly, I'm going to do my own shameless plug. Of course, uh, I've been posting on social media here the last uh, month or so. We've got a great uh, golf school, Golf Tips Golf School, happening at Macklemore in uh, Georgia. It's atop the foothills, if you will, in Georgia, Lookout Mountain. It's a beautiful, beautiful, it's a 22, 2300-foot drop, so you don't want to definitely uh, shank or, or hook, your ball, hook your ball over the side of the escarpment. But um, 18 has been ranked one of the most beautiful holes uh, uh, by Golf Digest uh, in the world. They'd say it's going to rank uh, very high up. Um, but it's a great um, facility, and Charlie Reimer is uh, their executive vice president. He's involved with it as well and, and uh, works uh, there. And, and they're actually building another 18-hole um, uh, uh, golf course called Lookout. Uh, sorry, the Outpost. I'm sorry, the Outpost. And um, it's going to be open, I think, in spring of next year. And Hilton has been building a really beautiful, beautiful hotel right on the edge of the escarpment. It's going to overlook and just some breathtaking views. Uh, but we're doing a golf school, and it's going to be held the 27th to the 29th of October. Uh, there's still time left to book, but you need to hurry because uh, uh, spots are going to start filling up pretty quick as we get closer. So the best way to do that is to reach out to me. You can uh, reach out to me at editor.golftipsmag at gmail.com, or you can call me at 850-238-6130, and I'll give you all of the details. But you want to hurry up and do that. But it's going to be a great um, a great time, beautiful accommodations. Uh, it's a three-day golf school. There's going to be three of our top 25 instructors are going to be there, uh, plus myself, and a great VIP uh, luxury gift bag is going to be included as well. So you don't want to miss out. So, again, Reach out to me. The number is 850-238-6130 or editor.golftipsmag at gmail.com is the email you want to re- respond to. And the dates, again, are October 27th through to the 29th. So make sure you uh, get that uh, booked up soon. Um, so I think what we're going to do, I'm looking here, and I still don't see uh, Leticia calling in. So I think we're going to move on, and we'll see what happens if she calls in, and we'll We'll uh, talk to her for a few moments, but um, we're going to dip into the no BS zone, uh, which we do occasionally on the show and uh, always have some interesting topics. So, Cindy, we're going to talk about today some trouble shots uh, that some of our golfers might need to know. Um, and this is one that you don't really get to, um, you know, hear a lot about. You know, we always hear about various different bunker shots and things like that that you might be faced with, um, whether it's a greenside bunker or even fairway bunkers, but an uneven fairway bunker lie is a, a kind of an odd beast. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, depending on where you're playing. 
uh, but it does happen. And a lot of people, there's really two ways to look at that. Obviously, you're much further away from the green in a fairway bunker, so you're not right up against it like you would in a greenside bunker. Um, so there's a little bit different way um, of approaching a fairway bunker as opposed to a greenside bunker. Um, and then to add a, an extra caveat, if you will, uh, it's an uneven lie, so that makes it even uh, a little bit different. So give me your thoughts on here, and then I'm going to chime in as well. Well, first thing is, what's your lie look like? And how big is the lip? So those are the first two things. Um, if you have a good lie and there's no lip, those are two pluses. And then how far are you? So are you, can you reach the green or not? If it's a par five and you just want to hit it out for your second shot, <clears throat> can you hit a three wood? If not, can you hit a five wood or a seven wood? Are you uphill, downhill, tilted? You know, I again, I I get confused left brain and right brain with this. If you're <laughs> uphill, that that means you're tilted, and you're well. You're if I'm right-handed, I'm going up the hill, right? Yep. So right. you would aim to the right because the ball is going to go to the left. And that's an easier shot because the ball is going to go higher and it's not going to go as far. If you're downhill, you're going to take <clears throat> more club because the ball's or less club. No, you're going to take more club because yeah. the ball is going to go lower. You're going to take a higher club with more loft because the ball is going to go exactly. lower. If you're a right, side exactly. hill, if you're side hill, I almost have to right. see it. <laughs> I'm like you. I'm more of a visual person as well. But so, as an example, again, we're, we're talking about uh, we'll do right-handed golfers. But if it's a left-handed, you just do the opposite to what we're we're talking about here. So, for a right-handed golfer, if the ball is above your feet, so in other words, it's on the right-hand side of the bunker and uh, the, the slope is coming down towards your feet. So it's above, the, the ball is above. So what's going to happen here is, much like it would if it was in grass, the ball is going to go more right to left. So you have to, you have to um, uh, allow for that. So depending on how severely it is above your feet, the more it's going to curve to the left. So what you want to do is you want to figure, okay, where do I want the ball to end up? So let's just assume that you, you're, you're going to be able to make the green. It's not that far away. You might not even need a wood. You might be able to do it with an iron, depending on how, how far it is. But what you want to be able to do is you want to gauge, based on the severity of the slope, um, where you need to aim the ball. So if you're going for the green, and let's say the pin is on the left, that's going to work to your favor a little bit. So what you might want to do is you want to maybe end, uh, aim for the right far side of the green because you're going to get a right to left or uh, basically like a draw shot. The key thing that you have to look at differently from a fairway bunker than you would a greenside bunker is on this particular shot, you're not going to go with a typical bunker shot. You're going to hit the sand first and then go basically go under the ball and the ball rides out on the sand with a fairway bunker. It's the opposite. You actually want to pick the ball first. You want to hit the ball first and sort of pick it out of the sand. So you've got to be careful with this. One thing that you have to be really cautious about is you don't want to dig your feet down on a fairway bunker like you would a greenside bunker because um, you're going to get enough stability anyways 
Um, what you can do is maybe your, your trail foot, which would be your right foot, maybe you could put it in a little bit, just dig it a little bit, very minor, just so that you're not swaying into the backswing. Um, if the ball, again, is above your feet, you need to make sure you choke down on the club enough so that, again, that you're not going to take the sand first and allow for that right-to-left uh, shape uh, of shot. So, again, you've got to figure out how much it's going to basically go uh, from right to left and then aim accordingly to the right of your target. Don't aim at your target. Aim to the right of it to allow for that draw. Conversely, if it's on the other side and the ball is now below your feet, it's going to go left to right. So you do the same thing here. Um, but you always want to aim for a safe spot. Don't try to be a hero and think, well, I'm going to go for the pin or I'm going to you know, uh, you know, get over if there's other trouble there. Sometimes even just getting it out and laying up is, is a good option. So um, you want to make sure, I guess the key thing, Cindy, that we want to make sure that people understand with a fairway bunker is you're hitting the ball first, not the sand. You don't need to dig down. If you've got a lip in front of you, if, the, if you've got a high lip, then you want to make sure you take enough club to be able to, to get over that. And you want to make sure that if you can't reach your target, in other words, if you can't reach the green, then you find another target maybe out in the fairway and you want to lay up to a spot that's going to allow you to come in with maybe a full shot or a shot that you're confident you're going to be able to hit. So I think those are some key things that you do. But an uneven lie is treated basically the same as if it were on grass. The difference is it's now in a bunker. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it, it's tricky. The, the, I think you, you pointed out right from get-go is you really need to assess your lie. You need to really take a good, solid look at it and weigh all of your options, and it doesn't really take very long. And if you treat it like you would any other uneven lie, um, it, it's going to work out fine. Um, but, again, the main thing with the fairway bunker as opposed to a regular bunker is you're not going to you know, scoot your feet down in the sand because that's – um, it's not necessary. A fairway bunker doesn't usually have, in most cases, the sand's not as thick. Um, it, many of the courses I play, depending on where you play, but usually isn't as thick and deep as a, as a uh, greenside bunker is, so you don't really need to. Uh, but if you're worried about swaying or anything, I like to sometimes just my heel, my right heel, just kind of put it in a little bit, not much, but just a little bit to give me some stability, and I think you'll be fine. Um, anything you want to add to that, or I think that's, I think we've covered it. You're perfect. Thank you. Um, all right. So here's a different bunker. Uh, this is the buried bunker line. We're going to move to the green side bunker. I, I know, Cindy, we love our bunker shots. So <laughs> we're going to move to this one here. There's really two that we're going to talk about, and that is uh, with buried lies. There's a completely buried where maybe you just see the top of the ball, the sand sort of uh, all around it, and, the, and you're sort of seeing top or maybe just half of the ball. Um, so that's a, a true buried lie. And then there's the one where it looks like a fried egg, where the sand is, uh, the ball has come in and it's sort of displaced, and you see it's sort of like a round ring. It's not right up against the ball necessarily. The ball may be slightly buried, but it looks like a, a fried egg is exactly what I was like. There's different ways to handle this. Give me your thoughts, and then I'll uh, jump in as well. Well, I'm going to talk about the you are screwed shot. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the buried one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're going to aim the club face at the at the hole, and you're going to turn your body 45 degrees to the right, which means you're going to shut your body. You so your club face is going to be very closed, 
So you're aiming the club face at the target. You're going to aim your body 45 degrees to the right. You're going to swing the club back on the line of the target, and you're going to really hit down on the sand. And if you do that, the ball is definitely coming out. So club face at the target, body 45 degrees to the right. Swing the club back on the line of the target and hit down on the sand. If you do that, the ball is always coming out. The ball is going to run when it comes out, but it's coming out always, forever and ever, as long as you live, I promise. That's a great, uh, yeah, that's a great description. Um, Yeah, and if you uh, go to um, YouTube and look up Cindy Miller, Buried Bunker Lie, or golf, uh, womensgolf.com, Google Cindy Miller, Buried Bunker Lie, you will find that video. I think this, yeah, I think that's perfect. The simpler that you can make it, um, again, a couple key things to remember is obviously um, you're just trying to get the ball out. In a case like that, um, you're not going to be able to finesse it up to the hole. You'd be lucky if it, if it, uh, if it doesn't run past. Um, but you've got to allow the fact that it's, you're not going to get any sort of uh, backspin on it at all because you're just basically popping it out of the sand. So um, that's a great way to do it. That adds consistency. And, and getting it out. The main thing you want to do is, is get it out. Um, the only thing yeah. I would probably okay. say in a case, yeah, the only quick. thing. Womensgolf.com, Friday, to the video. Womensgolf.com, Perfect. Friday. Perfect. Um, so what you want to also remember, too, is um, always assess your, your lie. Take a look at the lie. Take a look at your options. Um, the only thing that I would maybe add to what you said is if the pin is cut in such a way that you have very little, if any, green to work with, um, the only thing I would change is instead of aiming at the flag is maybe um, a little bit more to the fat part of the green so that you've got some green to work with. Um, but other than that, I think everything else is the same. But, um, I, again, the main thing is, number one, you always want to assess your lie, look at your options, say, okay, where can I put this ball? Where can this ball go? Does it have room to go anywhere? And if not, I make adjustments accordingly. But the main thing is you just want to get it out. The fried egg, which is, again, looks literally like a fried egg, is a little bit different. The ball tends to be sitting up a little bit more. But normally, um, it, it can be really for a couple of reasons. Sometimes a fried egg can come in, the sand is really soft, and it's almost like a little explosion. You see that the sand sort of uh, moves away from the ball, and it's sort of sitting there, and it looks like it's created a little... Uh, round circle of sand uh, around it. So there's a couple of ways, and, and sometimes it can be because the sand is real soft. Also, sometimes it can be because the sand is real hard uh, underneath. There's a very fine layer of sand on top, uh, but then the rest of it's sort of packed. So there's a couple of ways to, to do this. Um, unlike most bunker shots, um, what you don't want to do is open your club face up a lot like you would for a typical bunker shot because you need to be able to dig below, so you need to be able to have it so you don't want to necessarily have it shut all the way, but open it just a little bit because you need to be able to have that leading edge dig in a little bit more. And again, you're going to go underneath. You're going to take some sand with it and treat it typically like a, a regular bunker shot. The difference is you're going to um, close the club face a little bit. Don't have it as flared open as you typically would for most greenside bunker shots. But again, as Cindy pointed out in her demonstration, is you want to make sure that you assess the situation, look at what your options are, and whenever possible, uh, if you can go for the flag, great. If there's plenty of room to work with, if there's not, then be smart. Um, look at what other, you know, other situations could. Maybe there's 
another bunker on the other side of the, where the pin is, uh, or maybe there's water, what have you. So you want to make sure that you don't aim from one sort of trouble spot into another one. But um, again, as any other typical uh, bunker shot, bury your, you know, dig your feet in a little bit. Make sure you choke up on the club accordingly. So if you've dug your feet down a half an inch, you need to make sure you choke down on the club at least a half an inch. Otherwise, you're just going to thump it into the sand. It's not going to go anywhere. But that's basically how you handle uh, a, a fully bunkered, uh, a buried bunker shot and also a fried egg. But uh, And Cindy, uh, gave, we'll give that again uh, before we close off. But um, you can give that link again for people that want to go and check out your video. Uh, but that's how you handle some of the, the bunker shots that you might be faced with. This is one, too kind of falls in line with this, Cindy, and that is a lot of times on the fairway we see some deep rough, especially in a U.S. Open, uh, but on some golf courses you might even find just off the green you might see some deep rough. Um, what do we do if the ball plops down into some of this deep rough that's around the green? Uh, we've got to maybe face with a chip shot now. Well, I would tell you to do the chop shot. So you would take your sand wedge, and you would play it way back on your right foot. And you would, you're trying to eliminate the grass. And Lee Trevino showed this shot to Alan. And if you go to golfpass.com and you search for Cindy Miller, it's a brand new tip that just got posted the other day. And it's chop shot. Um, so you're going to play it way back on your right foot. This is going to sound like I'm a wacko, but for those of you who have listened to the show, you already know I am. So it's going to end your wrist up. It's all wrist. It's no arm. Back, way back on your right foot, you're going to hinge your wrist up and you're going to chop down. You're going to eliminate all the grass. Hinge up, chop down. You're going to just hit behind the ball, and the ball is going to come out really soft and not run a lot. If it's a terrible, terrible, terrible lie, you might open the face and almost play it like a bunker shot, and you won't believe how soft the ball come out. If you try to yep. hit a chip and run with stiff arms, you're going to chunk this or skull it over the green. Trust me. Top shot. Golfpass.com. Yep, that's a great. Search for Cindy Miller. Top shot. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great point. You know, it, it, it can be, depending on the circumstance, it can be very much like a bunker shot. We've seen this sometimes on tour where there'll be almost like, like a grass bunker with some uh, deep rough uh, just off the green. Sometimes it's just a few feet off the green. Seen this many times on, on a lot of the uh, courses on both the LPGA and the PGA, and they'll literally play it like a bunker shot. But uh, if not, then you play it like a chop shot, um, depending on the circumstances. So, uh, again, the real sort of underlining theme here, Cindy, is I think you really have to, you know, a lot of people are very quick to just grab any club and say, well, I'm just going to sort of plop it over here and see what I can do. They don't really put any thought into it. And I think this is where um, a really good practice routine, not practice before you're going out playing, um, but a, a good solid work routine can really help working on these shots. I, you know, we see this and we've talked about this many times where we see people just going up to the range and just hitting ball after ball, you know, hitting their driver, hitting some wedges and whatever off, off the perfect lie. But you never see anybody practicing this type of shot. And then they get faced with it out on the course, and suddenly they don't know how to handle it. 
and they don't know what their options are. So these are the kind of the kind of shots. This is what I why you know the heading of it is trouble shots you need to know. These are shots that everybody at some point, maybe even every round at, at some point, are going to be faced with at least once. Um, many times, sometimes more than once, depending on how good of a player you are. So I think the more that you practice these, and it is possible even on most ranges to go to an area that's away from everybody, uh, that's maybe got some thick rough. A lot of them have practice greens and things. And uh, if you're not really comfortable hitting some of these shots, um, you're worried about sculling it or thinning it and, and hitting somebody, then go off somewhere and just practice sort of flopping it out of this thick grass or chopping it out, as Cindy pointed out in her demonstration. But you need to work on these. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, again, I, th- I think you need to, again, it depends on your goals and your mission. You need to definitely work on the shots that you're going to be faced with so that when you shot and don't know what to do, if you know what to do with these shots when you're faced with them, then you're not afraid, and then you're able to overcome the fear and Get better shots when you're faced with them. Again, there's a way to hit all these shots. And, again, I learned these caddying for my husband on the PGA Tour because the men's tour, they have to trick the golf course up um, by making the grass grow because these are really, 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 really good. And – I saw him hit some shots that I was like, whoa, how'd you, what was that? How'd you learn to hit that shot? And then he would teach mm-hmm. me these shots, which I never had to know because on the LPGA tour, they didn't do that with the grass. Well, therefore, right. I was fancy schmancy shots that I never knew before, which was good for me. And then you can have fun practicing and then, you know, have contests with your buddies. So, right. Make make it fun, and don't be afraid to practice them. You know, I think too. Just to you know, you you sort of brought into the you know sort of the why you know why somebody is playing and that. I truly believe this. You know, some people might go out and say, "Well, I just you know I want to go out once in a while with my friends and things." I truly think if people learn to actually play the game and understand how to play it and how to be creative and and you know figure out, um, you know, and, and sometimes you can just do it on yourself, but uh, by yourself, but I always recommend obviously working with a, with a golf professional uh, in your area. And these are th- things that you need to talk about. Don't just talk, well, I want to hit it further. And, you know, I want to learn how to hit my driver. And that's great. You know, we need to all be able to do that, but you need to also be able to handle yourself out in the golf course. And that's where playing lessons come in. And, you know, a, a good golf professional, if they take you out in a playing lesson, is not going to throw the ball out into a perfect line um, every time. What they're going to do is they're going to put you in situations that you're going to be actually faced with. And those are the ones that you need to work on. Um, and I think once you do, and like you said, make it fun, make it challenging, challenging your friends, you know, get a group of your, your friends some weekend if you're playing and, and say, hey, let's head up a little bit early and, and make, uh, you know, uh, uh, some games out of it. Uh, it can be fun. And you'd be surprised that people will play more often if they don't feel as intimidated with the various different shots they might be faced with. And yeah, you're going to hit some, some ugly ones, you know, along the way, everybody does even the best of the best. But for the most part, what you're going to do is you're going to build up confidence. And when you build up confidence, 
then you're going to go out there and saying, okay, I know how to hit, I know how to hit this chop shot. I remember watching, you know, that Cindy Miller video and, and, uh, or, you know, I, I got myself in, in a, in a, you know, a, an uneven fairway bunker a lot. I remember listening to the show last week and now I'm going to go out there and I'm going to practice some of these things. And when you do that, it helps with your confidence. And when you have a high confidence level, then you're more excited and eager to want to play. If you're, if you're always intimidated by everything out in the golf course, then you're less likely to say, I'm not going to roll out of bed this morning and go out and play that nine, uh, quick nine holes because I just know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm not going to be able to break 50, right? And that's the mentality that, unfortunately, a lot of people get into. Exactly. So uh, one other one that we're going to tackle here is, um, and this is sort of a, a, a two-sided, like a two-sided coin, uh, playing over or under trouble. So I'll give you an example here. Um, most, not all, but uh, many golf courses have uh, tree-lined fairways, and you might find yourself, some of them are, um, are pretty open, where uh, it might be just some, uh, especially up in the Carolinas, as an example, you might, uh, up around Pinehurst area, uh, you might see where it's just uh, some pine needles, and it's pretty open, so you might be faced with a situation where you get in behind or even into the trees a little bit, and you've got a couple of options. If you're behind the trees, there might be an option depending on the circumstances. You might curb the shot. You might have to go over it or under some branches. So here's some uh, tips to, to look at. Um, Cindy, go ahead and take either one, and then I'll follow up with the other. I have actually hit driver off the deck under low-hanging branches. Um I think, you know, everybody's hit a pitching wedge or a sand wedge over tree branches, but I have actually hit a low three wood or a driver off the deck under branches. Have you done that? I have done it. Um, I don't do it as often as I probably should. I've actually with a, uh, a, uh, I've done it even with a hybrid, with a, a three hybrid. Uh, I've done that. Um, but I've, I've done the, de- it depends on the lie. Obviously, it, you know, if you've got a pretty good lie with the ball, the main thing, obviously you've got to really look for, especially if you get into the trees a little bit, you've got to watch for roots and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, I've done that as well. And I mean, the driver's probably one of the best ones because it's got very little loft. Right. Exactly. Again, you have to have a somewhat decent lie to be able to do it, but, um, I just, you know, make people aware that it is possible to do that. Mm-hmm. And you take a half swing, and you know, you're not going to cock your wrist a whole lot. You just, it's like a dead-handed all-arm swing just to keep the ball really, really low under the branches. And it comes out really hot, and it'll run a long way. Yep, exactly. And the other thing to keep in mind, if you're in the, the, the woods a little bit, let's say, uh, and you're on something like some loose impediments or, or um, you know, some pine straw is you're not going to have really great footing. So you've got to be careful. Your feet may slide a little bit, so you've got to be um, extra careful about that. You're not going to be able to dig your feet in uh, in any way. So you just have to really – and so, uh, again, like you said, you're not taking a full swing. You're trying to keep that ball down and below the, those branches – and uh, if the driver works for you, if you're somebody that can do that, you may want to, I don't know whether you do this or not, but I would probably choke down a little bit on the driver because, um, you don't. again, you're not going to be able to take a full swing. Um, that helps give you a little bit more ball control as well. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? 
I mean, whatever, whatever works, whatever you can make happen. Again, you know, the interesting thing about all of these shots, there are certain techniques that, that have sort of been tried and true, but the truth of the matter is these are shots that really you can experiment a little bit. Try to find something that works. You know, maybe a lot of people never thought of hitting a driver, um, but, you know, that's something that's worked for you and you found a lot of success with it. So that's something that somebody else can try as well. Say, hey, you know, I'm going to try that as well. Maybe you're not that great hitting the driver off the tee, but you might be off the deck. So, you know, those are things to consider. And, again, over trouble, as you mentioned, depending on the circumstance, if you're in somewhere where you've got a 75-foot pine tree that you've got to hit over or a group of them, um, good luck with that. You're not likely to be able to do that with a lot of success. So your other option may be is if you can't bend it around with a, a nice uh, fade or, or even a slice, um, then maybe just put it back in play out in the fairway. Get it back out into the middle of the fairway somewhere uh, and give yourself uh, a better shot. And, you know, because there's nothing worse than getting the old tree knock where you you know think, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this one and hit it and it ricochets off three or four branches and ends up back even in a worse spot and the squirrels are laughing at you. So um, you got to use a little bit of common sense. But uh, um, sure. you know you, you know what I'm talking about. So you know. The, the real purpose, as I said, with, with these discussions is to give you an understanding of some of the things that you might be faced with uh, when you're out in the golf course, because you're not going to have a, a perfect lie. You know, we, I had a discussion the other night on, on Golf Talk Live um, with a, a fellow professional, and we talked about really percentages um, and how you have to gauge yourself as a player. Now, he goes by what he calls the 80-20 rule. If, um, if the likelihood of him being successful on any given shot is only 20%, then he's going to look at other options. If it's an 80%, then he's going to look at, uh, okay, that's the shot for, that I'm going to play. Um, I kind of divide it in thirds. I do it a little bit differently. I say if it's 30% or 33% and lower, uh, it's a no-go shot. If it's in the second uh, third, um, depending on the level of difficulty of shot, I may be willing to take a chance depending on what the reward is going to be. And if it's in the top third, which means I'm very confident I can execute this shot, then I'm going to play it. Uh, unless, again, the, the risk is so high that I don't want to run the risk. Even though I know I can pull the shot off in most cases, I don't want to hit it. I don't know if you work on a similar formula or not, but I think any shot you're faced with, you have to ask yourself, what is the likelihood that I can execute the shot? What percentage, whether it's 30%, 50%, 70%, what is the percentage of likelihood that I'm going to be able to play this shot as it should be played or as it could be played? And if it's not a high enough percentage that I, likelihood I'm going to – me personally, not what the pros do, me personally, then I'm going to reassess and reevaluate and say I need to consider another option. Let me hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm probably 60%. I need, yeah, I need 60%. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, yeah you, you have to find what percentage, you know, and again, it, you, have to, you have to assess the level of severity. In other words, what, what, what's going to be, if I don't pull it off and I hit a bad shot, what's, what's going to happen? Is it going in water? Is it just going to, you know, trickle down the fairway, but I'm going to be okay still? You know, I'm going to be in some creek that runs across. You know, you have to look at the, the situation 
and weigh it out. Um, but you ultimately have to say to yourself, if I can at least 60% of the time hit this golf shot, then I have no business playing it in the way that, that it should be played. And I have to look at another option. Like I said, with, when the ball was in the trees, if I know I can't get it over or I can't get it under that branch with a high level of success, then maybe my best option is just to play it back out into the fairway. And yeah, I might be a little bit further back than I'd like to be, but I'm going to still be better off. Now I've got a good, clean, crisp shot that I can hit from the fairway. Any final thoughts? I totally agree. Totally agree. I can guarantee. Yeah. yeah, I can. I can guarantee you that probably virtually every tour player on some formula along that line. Now they do it. Obviously, it, it just comes, you know, naturally to them because they've worked so hard on their game, and they don't even have to think about it. They know when they step up and they look at any given shot, what that internal percentage is. They already know, okay, I know I can do this. Now, some of them might gamble a little bit. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, Phil Nicholson was famous for doing that. He would try to do some shots. But, again, he had a very high um, percentage in his mind that he knew he could pull that off. Sometimes it worked. Other times it didn't. But most times it would. Tiger was the same way. He knew. I mean, he'd get in some gnarly you know, looking rough and whatever, and he'd carve out a six iron and end up 10 feet from the hole. And people would be scratching their head, like, how the heck did he do that? But these guys, again, work on their game so much, they know it. But for the average player out there that doesn't have that, that level of confidence or that, you know, level of uh, consistency getting out there and playing all the time, then you have to create your own assessment and say, okay, what is the, and ask yourself that question. It could be done very quickly. It doesn't take as long as what I'm explaining it, but you know, you just have to say, what is the likelihood that I can execute this shot? And that's even with your regular shot, not even the tough shots. If you've got a, a hole and, and you've hit a drive and it's a long par five and you've got 230 yards and you're not very accomplished with your three wood and you're saying, well, I'm going to go for the green and you know you're going to probably top it and not hit it very well, why not break that 130 yards into two and get yourself up or, or hit a, you know, 130-yard shot, get you up to 100 yards, now you can go in with the wedge. And you still got a chance at, uh, at at birdie and or or par, rather than risking it and ending up in in some other you know into the abyss as they say. Um, what are your final thoughts on some of these shots, and um, what would you uh, what would you like to leave the the listeners with as we get ready to wrap up? Well, I totally agree. You have to figure out what you're most comfortable with. Um, and again, it depends on your personality style. So people that are more open to risk might need 30%. People that are not might more open to risk might say, well, no, I need a 70% chance that I can pull this off. So you've got to stop and say to yourself, all right, am I okay with this? Am I not okay with this? You know, so again, I agree with everything you're saying. You have to stop and say, what am I okay with? And then make your decision from there. The other thing, what situation are you in? You know, the the young girl that won the tournament this weekend, who was a Monday qualifier who missed the last nine cuts, again, I have never seen anyone hit the golf ball that well and putt that well in my life, let alone under that circumstance. She was amazing. Did you watch that? I Unfortunately, I didn't. I wish I had of, but I was busy doing some other things this weekend. And as I 
I was mentioning to you a little bit, I think, off air, is I was a little bit under the weather, so uh, I didn't get a chance to. I wish I had it, though. I don't oh. it otherwise. Holy cow. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, again, this girl was amazing. So, um, I've never seen anybody hit it so well. So, in that situation, she didn't want to be short on the 18th hole. She knocked it over the green a little bit. She knocked a chip shot probably eight feet and made it for par. When she could have three-putted because she was leading by four or five, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Point being, she just she was amazing. But, again, she did the right thing because if she would short on 18, she would have knocked it in the water. Well, now we got a little crunch butt cheeks action going. But that didn't happen. So, again, the point being, in the situation, what's your smartest play? And then you make that decision. Right. So what you're saying is perfect. And I think that's a great way to end it. Always look at your options. Um, but having said that, if you have a few extra shots in your in your golf bag, um, if you can take clubs that are already in there and work some of the shots that we talked about here today uh, with confidence, then you're going to be able to get on the golf course and feel much better about your play. If you don't work on those things, you're just – becoming a range rat, just going up there, slapping balls out and worrying about how far you hit it all the time, you're never going to be a better player. And this is one of the reasons what causes a lot of people um, over time to drop away from the game out of frustration because they don't get into those perfect lies every single time and they wonder why their score never gets better. Well, it's because you don't practice some of these shots we're talking about. And that's the whole purpose of it doing it. We're not doing it here, you know, just to hear ourselves talk. We're doing it because we want to help you with your game. So, if you, want to, if you want to improve, tune into the show each week. We're going to try to give you some tips to help you get uh, better. And hopefully, uh, if we've got a great guest, and just on a side note here, um, I just got a note, and unfortunately, uh, Leticia, obviously, for obvious reasons, uh, was not able to join us this morning, a scheduling conflict. So we're going to try to reschedule for maybe next week. But uh, if not, we'll get another player. But, you know, the players themselves work through the same type of situation that amateurs do, the difference is, and the reason why they're better at it, is they work on it. And you don't have to work on it to the same extent they do because you're not playing out in the, on the tour. But if you want to get better, you do have to work on it somewhat. Um, even if you're only playing once a week or maybe a couple times a month, um, it's still, the more you work on it, and it makes it more interesting. If you're just hitting balls, like I said, like a, a range rat, um, you're not going to be a better player. And you're just going to continue down the same path all the time. It's what's the definition of insanity. Then you doing the same thing and expecting different uh, results. Um, that's the definition of insanity. So you've got to change it up a little bit. But on that note, uh, we're going to wrap up. That was no BS zone trouble shots you need to know. Uh, play it over again if you missed it and you're tuning in a little bit later on. And again, our apologies that uh, Leticia uh, from the Epson Tour was not able to join us this morning, but we'll see what we can do for next week. But on that note, on behalf of Sydney Miller, I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you guys for tuning in this morning, and we'll see you next time here on the Women of Golf. God bless everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Todd. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network.
or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.